folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again. And this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G-E-E-S, emil.gorgis at tokyorealty.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. So for today's episode, this is a recording of a call with an Australian gentleman who's been living in Japan for quite a while. He's purchased a family home about a decade ago, and then he had to resell it. And he feels that he might have gotten the short end of the stick on that deal. He wanted to make sure he's better prepared for his next home purchase, which he's planning on in the next year or two. So a bit of a cautionary tale there to start with, but then we talk about shopping around for the right home loan, borrowing capacity in loan terms, and also about how to choose not only the right loan, but also the right property. How not all realtors, even in Japan, necessarily have the buyer's best interest in mind. So we talk about how to conduct proper due diligence on our own, research, the resale value of homes in Japan, which factors should be taken into account when choosing between properties, in particular condo units. We also talk about uh, potential conflict with neighbors in Japan, which is a big issue if you're going to be living in the property yourself. The differences between condo buildings that are managed by investor owners as opposed to owners occupiers. We do some deal analysis on some of the potential properties that he's considering for purchase so far. And we also touch upon what it actually takes for someone to start working in the Japanese real estate property arena. So all in all, a pretty diverse conversation. This was audio only, so you don't need to jump to YouTube to see our faces. There's no faces to be seen. We do delve into quite a few interesting topics there. I hope you find value in it. Enjoy the chat and I'll see you again on the other side. Okay. Cool. So um, thank you for agreeing to uh, be recorded because you, you've mentioned you've got a bit of a uh, cautionary tale there that you uh, wanted to lay out, right? Yeah, just just in regards to um, doing our, our research, really. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't the real estate was trying to do anything dodgy, um, but more that we, we hadn't kind of um, done our research as to what our rights were i guess in in terms of getting the home loan so um as far as as what happened we we kind of jumped into the sale um 
and we didn't know that we could have applied for a bank loan um, without paying the deposit. Um, so can, can you so, run me? Can you run me through? Uh, just backtrack a little bit. What kind of property was it, and what sort of uh, what sort of loan were you applying for? Oh, okay. So um, was this a family home or an investment property, or what was it? Oh yeah. So this is this is all for just a family home. Okay. Um, and uh, it was it was a three years it was three years old house. Um, yeah. It was 26 million when it was new. Uh, we, it was on the market for 23. We, we paid, we paid that. We, I think we got maybe um, 500,000 yen discount. Yeah. Um, we. 500,000 you mean? Uh, 500,000 yen. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. We weren't. I, I hadn't had. Per, I had my permanent resident residency now, but I didn't have it then. Um, so we're a little bit worried about um, how how it would go. Like I didn't even think I could maybe get the loan at the time. Um, we and because of that, I think we're also a little bit sort of unsure uh, whether we could get it, and we didn't really want to. Um, it's not that we didn't want the house. It was more just a test to see if we could even get a loan. Yeah. Um, but we'd, we'd end up, we ended up paying the, what was it? The Tetsu, Tetsu Genkin. Yep. Um, the application fee for a million yen. And um, we, we didn't realize at that point that we wouldn't be able to get that back. So of course that's totally our, <laughs> our mistake. Um, but the real estate we're working with now, let us apply, um, for the bank loan without having to pay that, so more more like a, a loan check, yeah. And that's kind of what we wanted to do in the beginning, but we didn't because we hadn't done our research. We didn't know that we we could apply that way, so we sort of dove straight in, paid the deposit, and then they said, "Oh, if you have any extra money that will help you in your application, please see if you can borrow some money from your family." Uh, which my wife was able to do under the and assumption that what that if you pay a, a down payment it makes the makes it easier for the bank to approve the loan exactly yeah so they, they kind of just kept us on the line and i i um, mean you, you've mentioned that you've uh, spoken to a meal um i'm i'm not a huge expert on mortgages so is that a real thing is it easier for the bank to approve if you do put in a cash deposit um well I don't really know, but we we thought so, and we got an extra four million yen, and we dumped that into it as well as the deposit. But now we're I'm applying um, eight years later with no deposit. I do have my permanent residency, but I'm I'm 47 now, so I'm much older, and it doesn't seem to be a problem. Um, oh, actually, I have some good news. Yesterday we got the pre-approval. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's brilliant. I, I did hear that, um, I mean, 100% or 105%, whatever it is, um, full cost loans um, are possible without a PR, but they are more challenging because apparently the lender does want to review your uh, sort of employment longevity in Japan, uh, mm -hmm. potential for employment longevity in Japan. So if, if they are under the impression that maybe you're... Uh, job security is not that much guaranteed, then they do actually 
only offer I think um, 80 or 70 percent or whatever it is so mm. uh, j just you know to give that agent some credit maybe maybe that has really been a thing so maybe I'm not sure what your employment status was at the time but mm. maybe were you already under application for a PR at the time or just um, sorry sorry what, what's a PR uh, per per sorry permanent residency Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it was uh, permanent residency. I was, I think, applying at the time. So, yeah, I think we told them, we told the bank that it was, yeah, under application. So they probably just wanted to make it easier for them, I suppose. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. But, mm, yeah. So, uh, as far as the loan goes, it looks like um, it's, it's no problem to do it this way. And if we'd known that, eight years ago it would have saved us a lot of money actually so yeah um yeah okay so that's on the loan front and then how did the rest of the purchase pan out um yeah it, it was really smooth i don't speak japanese or write or read so my wife handled all of it and except for myself having just to write my address on multiple documents it was it was pretty easy um what happened though we ended up moving out uh, a year later Okay. That property, um, and what was the difficulty there was reselling the house. Uh, it was only a year we lived in it, um, but we had to sell it for eighteen million. So um, already it depreciated by five million yen in a year. And as I sent you in my email, I, I in my head I was still thinking Australian real estate market as it you know just keeps going up. And up and up and I, and I thought even a bad investment would still at least we could break even on the that is that is quite a steep decline though even for Japan because you're talking a relatively mm -hmm. new um, property um, so it's true that you know the land is the only thing that can gain in value but still within a mm -hmm. year um, so I mean again not knowing the details and the location and not having researched mm -hmm. it I would assume that either Either the area, for some reason, has gone you know significantly down in popularity over that period of time, um, yeah. or it might have been just overpriced to begin with. I think a little of both. Um, we bought um, towards the mountains in Osaka. Yeah. So it was still connected by rail. Um, there was a, a small station quite close, not an express line, but a local station was quite close. Um, it had uh, some some views of the city as well, which again I thought would be, you know, a, a great selling point. But here it doesn't really seem to be as much as it would be in Australia. Not compared um, to other things, now. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, they value convenience more and, and things like that. Plus, they like to. Um, um, I mean, I don't know if it's a privacy thing or what, but they really they keep the windows shuttered most of the time in Japan. Yeah. So yeah. views and in the sunlight, um, unless it's on a balcony, is really not that, um, not that much. Yeah. So I, I think maybe we've chosen well from an Australian standard or a Western standard, I suppose, if, you, if you'd like to say that. And um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit far out from the city, which most people obviously are not, not very interested in um, near the mountains. There was no supermarket within walking distance. Yeah. All of those sort of amenities weren't there. So, um, yeah, that, I think that hit the resale value. And my wife found out as we were selling it that it had been purchased by the real estate for $15 million. 
Yeah. And that was because the pe- the previous owner sold it directly to them. Yeah. And it seems like they just wanted to. They 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 said it was a family emergency, so they just unloaded it. Um, and took the loss, maybe about ten million yen. So the real estate bought it for fifteen, and then put it on the market for twenty-three, without any renovation or anything. No, so they they were eyeing huge profits there, and they saw us coming. Talk about <laughs> so overpriced. That is overpriced. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we we should have done our research, and and I should have known the market here in Japan. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was a whole lot of lot of errors that we made on our part, plus. A little, little bit of trickery, I would say, from the real estate as far as them not explaining we could apply for a pre-approval without having to. And and the price, <laughs> okay. And I mean, the le- price, less yeah. less than hundred percent disclosure, I would say yes. Yeah, so I mean, we we had looked at a number of houses around the area because we wanted the view and to be a little bit out of the city, have the mountains there for hiking and things like that. But in the end. Yeah, it probably was a little overpriced, but at the time, eight, eight, ten years ago, it was around average of what for the yeah. three bedroom. And and I was gonna say, I mean, as owners, occupiers, um, it's really a matter of whether you like the place and you're comfortable with the price, you know, from your own financial standpoint, kind of thing. There's not as many investment-related considerations to be made when you're buying a owner-occupied home. And in Japan specifically, houses are not really the asset class of choice for investment just because of the non-durable materials and um, the high maintenance and so forth. Um, so maybe, but, but you're saying you had to move out after a year. So that, that would have been what, because of like work or personal circumstances or? Yeah, it was more personal circumstances. There was, seemed like there was a, a neighbor there right next to us that were not very happy about the noise. I told you I have four children, so. Yeah. Uh, we make a lot of noise whether we try to or not and, and even trying to keep it down is still pretty noisy for us. <laughs> I know the feeling, especially um, in a mixed international family, kids don't tend to be as... <laughs> I guess the Japanese would call it not as well behaved. I, I wouldn't label it that way, but yeah. And um, yeah, and, and I guess there's times where my wife is, is kind of telling my children off in Japanese and me not understanding, uh, I start telling them off in English and the mum, mum just told us the same thing in Japanese. That. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life, that. And that neighbor, by the way, that neighbor, by the way, could have been the reason for what was presented as a family emergency. Maybe they were giving a hard time to the sellers as well. I, I think perhaps, yes. I know a few good. families that, especially international families, but also Japanese families that have relocated because of... Um, uh, really, I want to say abusive neighbors, right? That's not a. Mm. It's not that rare in Japan, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We experienced it, and we we weren't prepared to spend the rest of our life next to these people. So yeah. we we just pulled pulled out and then uh, tried to sell the place, and and that took the loss. Um, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, now we're, we're trying to, to purchase the second property again. Um, so when was this? When was the, um, the sale? Of the, the house? When did you resell it? Yeah, how long ago? Uh, I think about eight years ago. Okay, and since then you've been what, just renting? Uh, living with my wife's parents, actually. Okay, how, how's, how's that? 
Um, yeah, that's good. It doesn't sound um, as, as bad as, as what you might think. We, we actually have, on the, the land we have at the moment, um, there's two houses. So okay. they're sitting right next to each other, basically. We share the same outdoor space. Yep. But we, at least we have our own um, kind of space as, as far as kitchen and, and living room. And okay, it's not too bad. All right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we're, we're not right living with them. Yeah. Right on top of each other, so... Yeah, so that that's not too bad. We've been here for about eight years since then. Yep. And yeah, now we're we're looking at an apartment. My son's entering junior high school next next year. Oh, same um, here. Yeah, yeah. I, I was listening to one of your podcasts. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're we're moving to to um, get him closer to a good school that he can attend. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, but this again is a little bit like what we did when we moved out to the mountains. We're actually going the other way towards the ocean. I don't know if you're familiar with Osaka, but it has quite a lot of reclaimed land out in yep. the bay. Um, out there is where the, the cargo ships dock and, and unload all their stuff. And there's power stations and all sorts of transport yep. kind of hubs and things out there. And in the center of this reclaimed island that's surrounded by loading docks and all sorts of stuff, industrial sites. Yeah. There's a, a, a sort of, they've created this place called Port Town, uh, Nanko Port Town. Yep. And it's just giant high-rise apartments, massive numbers on the sides. Um, and we're trying to buy an apartment in one of those, on one of the upper floors. Okay, so the uh, first one was a house, this one's a condo. This one's, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, so, four bedroom. Gotcha. Great aspect, again, great views. Um, but sits on reclaimed land. It's 1981 was its construction date, so its its planning was pre um, what, what, what earthquake was resistance standards. Yeah, yeah. So it, it just missed the the most recent changes. Uh, so that's probably going to hurt resale value if we decide we want to get out of this one as well. Well, the other um, factor to consider there is not just the resale value, is also the fact that um, buildings that ha that are at that um, age point, uh, there's going to be a new legislation supposedly coming in in the next few years. It was supposed to be this year, but then they've sort of pushed it back without actually specifying a date. But at some point, I think it will go in. And that's going to put more of an onus on uh, owner unions to better maintain buildings once they reach 40 years of age. Mm, okay. And they're going to, they were talking again, this is all, there's no clear details yet, but they were talking about a certificate system, whereas building owner unions that comply with the new requirements would get a kind of good management certificate. And they could choose not to comply and then they wouldn't get that certificate. They're not going to tear the building down or anything, but there might be, so So two things might happen there. One is that there might be suddenly a market for um, certified and non-certified properties, mm -hmm. which yeah. of course would affect your resale value even more significantly. Or the other mm -hmm. thing is if the owner union suddenly starts scrambling to comply with the new regulations, they would definitely have to bring building fees up substantially mm -hmm. to catch up on renovations and repairs and, and proper management procedures and so forth, which would then... Mm -hmm just increase the monthly expenses. So when you're looking at whether you're comfortable or not, because condos obviously come with monthly fees. Mm, yeah. When you're looking at those monthly fees, if you're looking at a building that's this old, I would probably just take a worst case scenario where building fees might be say doubled 
and then okay. see if you're still comfortable with that if and when it does happen because that could be a very real issue in, let's say five six years or, or you know worst case scenario maybe even sooner okay. um, yeah I think the, the building fees were quoted um, 8,000 for management 8,000 yen per month and 12,000 yen for maintenance so oh, that's already pretty steep okay I mean, yeah. in Japan standards, I know in Hawaii you sometimes pay a thousand bucks a month, but for Japan standards, that's pretty steep. Right, okay. Um, I, I was looking at one website um, that was saying 300 yen per square meter, apartment size. Yep. Um, oh, that's right. It's a family-sized apartment. No, that, that, that's probably pretty average then. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I'm thinking about studios and two-bedroomers. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so this is a four-bedroom, yeah, so it's... Um, when I did that quick calculation, that was about 30,000 yen. Okay, month. so say it goes up to 40,000 yen, are you still okay with that on a monthly basis? Um, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, I'm I'm the sole, I, I work, uh, my wife is still looking after our little ones at home, yeah. so we're on single income at the moment, but I think maybe once they start at elementary school, um, she'll probably start looking for uh, work. Okay. So, once we're on a double income, I, I don't think the repayments will be so so difficult. And not the mortgage repayments. I'm talking about the monthly condo fees. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, so that. if that if those fees go up from twenty thousand yen to say forty thousand yen, are you you still okay with that? Um, I would be happy about it, yeah. but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll have to deal with it if it if. If that happens, I'm just saying that because it's a very real consideration considering yeah, the age uh, of the building. Yeah, I think um, um, I guess I'll I'll talk with my wife about that. Yeah. After the call, um, yeah, I didn't realize there was another set of standards coming in. Um, they, it was published originally as definitely happening mid 2022. And so we actually published an article about it and, you know, sort of advised to our clients to try and aim away from anything that's older than 30 years. And then when I looked at it again, it just said uh, it changed from 2022 to uh, under consideration. So whether they're going, I don't think they'll complete, I mean, they might, you know, taper it down. I don't think they'll take it completely off the books because um, older buildings and their maintenance have been an issue in Japan. Um, sometimes they're just an eyesore. Sometimes they're actually dangerous to live in, right? Because yeah. owner unions, you know, head of the owner union dies. Nobody actually replaces them. There are no regular meetings taking place. There's no building management company coming in regularly to inspect and provide renovation plans and so forth. Mm. Um, and I don't see that situation changing without some government action. So, I mean, they might have, you know, they might have pushed it back because of COVID and, you know, things are tough enough as it is financially for owner unions, or it might be just that they're trying to uh, better define what's going to be included. But I think there's a very real chance of this happening um, at least, I'd say, a few years down the track, if not sooner. Mm. Uh, so if and when that does happen, I guess there will be some scrambling involved on owner unions, at least the ones that are not being super well managed. It could be the case. I mean, when you look, when you evaluate a condo unit for purchase, it's a good idea to look at the renovation history of the building. So at least the last 10 years, say, and then check how much they've got in their reserve funds mm. and try to correlate the two. So make sure that either 
big ticket items like the exterior, the roof, the elevator system, make sure that those have been done in the last, say, with elevators, maybe in the last 15 years, with the rest of the things, maybe in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Because if they haven't been done, they're definitely going to be needed soon. Mm-hmm. And then if they haven't been done in the last 10, 15 years, um, you want to look at the reserve funds pool and make sure that the building reserve funds actually have enough to cover a renovation of that extent. Um, and if, you know, if none of that has been done in the last 10 years and the reserve funds pool is depleted or, you know, has less in it than we'd like to see, then you would definitely should be taking into account that um, those building fees will go up because they'll have to start collecting money for the next big renovation or they'll have to take out a loan for the next big renovation. In both mm-hmm. cases, they'll have to jack building fees up significantly. Right. And so not necessarily, a, um, you know, a deal breaker, but maybe something to negotiate price on. And just to factor in that you will be paying more on a monthly fee. And if there's no renovation history of the last 10 years and there's no renovation plan, and then that's definitely a mismanaged building. And that's definitely going to be an issue um, if that new legislation comes in or even even if it doesn't. Mm. Right, yeah, that's good to know. Uh, we we got the, um, the the maintenance schedule from the real estate agent. It does exist. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, some and some of them just don't have it, right? So it, it, it's it's a valid yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. The the one we got looked looked um, to be um, managed quite well. I okay. think it's, it has there's a company that's that's looking after it. It's not a owner occupier run. Yep system so there's no chairman or anything like that and, but they are making um, plans like there are there is a renovation schedule yeah yeah i think the next big renovation is happening in the next couple of years actually um they seem the website i was looking at it, it said the first renovation should happen uh, 10 to 13 years and then the next within the next 20 and then yes so and then at this age it goes down to every 10 years or so so i'm i'm did they? Did you also check out the meeting summaries for the last, let's say, the most recent one to see if they're talking about raising building fees? Uh, actually, no. I'll have to get the wife. Definitely have there. a peek at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because usually, when they draw, when they draw the renovation schedule, that's usually when they'll start mm-hmm. talking about potentially raising fees to um, to meet that schedule. Mm. And okay. um, I mean, it takes time for everyone to vote on it. And, you know, they, they put out a few offers um, and people can take if they want to raise it by 10% or 20% or 50% or what have you. So th- there's a lot of conversations going on. It can take about two years. Mm. Um, but I think if the renovation schedule is already out, then you should be able to see whether they've started that discussion. It'll just give you a rough idea of what to expect when it does go through. Because eventually they will vote on raising the fees. They don't have a choice. It's... Um, if the building is mainly single or two bedroom units, it's mostly going to be investment properties, not many owners occupiers. Mm. And investors tend to just, I mean, they're planning to resell within five or 10 years anyway. So they'll just vote no, 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 no on any renovation plan. Um, But with owner occupiers who actually are living in the building, they would usually take better care of it and they would vote to go ahead and raise the fees to catch up. Um, so to just have a look at that, so maybe it'll give you a better idea of what to expect and when. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely check that. Um, I think I think as a, an investment, I as I said, it's probably not very attractive uh, for most investors, just for where it 
situated and um, aging building. Yep, that definitely home. not not something that we would advise to our clients to invest in. But for an <laughs> yeah. owner occupier home, again, it's not not necessarily a consideration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I listened to a few of your other podcasts and and I, I figured out that yeah, this this is not an investment property, but yeah, more for our children's. I guess school and, and things like that. Yeah, and I sure. mean it's not a bad place to live. It sort of has a slower pace than the city, but not not very far away from the cities. Yep. Yeah. And how many units in the building, by the way? Uh, let me let me. Um, I think about. Oh, I'm guessing here about forty. I think um, the the block itself is connected to another one. Uh, by a sort of an open uh, walkway between these two huge pillars. So it's a single development, but two separate buildings. Yeah. Uh, Looks I, like I, it. I okay. Yeah, I think so. I'd have to show you a photo to, to, so you could sort of understand how, yeah, there's, there's, I think in the area, there's about six or seven of these enormous apartments. And the other one is roughly the same size, is it? Yeah. We interrupt this broadcast, I always wanted to say this, we interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you wanna give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely wanna reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S, at tokyorealty.jp. Yeah. It sort of looks like an open book on its end, if you... Okay, so I'm just thinking from an end block sale perspective, like let's say a developer comes in and you know the building's getting old, getting too expensive to maintain, they'll start looking at offers from developers. If you're talking about 80 to 100 units, um, I mean, it also depends on how big the land parcel is, but basically, mm -hmm. 
it's more challenging for developers to offer compensation to 80 or 100 uh, unit owners than it is to say, you know, a smaller building with maybe 20, 30 units. Mm. So you can't really expect to get a super good offer if and when it time, the time does come to sell it. Mm. Um, so don't assume that resale value... So resale value to the general public is not going to be that attractive because it's over 40 years old. Mm. and pre-earthquake, uh, latest earthquake resistance standards. And resale value to a developer is also not going to be super attractive because there's a lot of units that they'll need to compensate. Um, so, again, just something to factor in if you're maybe... Are you still in a point where you can maybe negotiate the price a bit? Um, yeah, my wife talked to the real estate yesterday after we got the pre-approval and they said they could probably get it down another million yen. Um, the price has been dropped twice already, um, so I don't think we could probably push much further. What's a million percentage-wise? How much is the, the price, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, it was, I think it was listed about 23 million. Okay. Um, and we're hoping, oh no, sorry, 24 as renovated, four bedroom, and it's, I think, about 22 now. Uh, okay. Yeah, so. And you're hoping to get it down to 2021? Yes. Uh, oh, sorry, 22. We're hoping to get it to 22 now. So. Okay, I mean, look, for a family-sized condo unit in Osaka, it's not a bad price. Hmm. Um, but it will definitely sell for less down the track, especially if you've been living it for like, you know, five, six, eight years or what. Yeah. And as, as far as a, like long term, um, the loan we got approved for is 30 years. Um, yeah. I'm 47 now, so that puts it <laughs> 77 years old. I mean, I, I'll get a small pension because I, I have been working um, here for more than 10 years. Um, okay, that's unusual though at your age. What, what, to get a loan for 30 years. Yeah, I know. I, I was honestly quite surprised we got pre-approval yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I'm just thinking, like, if we do stay in this long term, um, 30 years down the track, I, I'm sort of worried about how the condition of the building. Um, I don't think I'll you'll be... I, I very much doubt you'll stay there for 30 years. Uh, if the building is 42 years old now, 41 years old now, mm -hmm. in most maximum 10 years probably earlier you're going to start getting uh, the owner union is going to start getting offers from developers mm. um, and you'll probably find that they're seriously discussing that and eventually they will resell the building so you're looking at a situation where you're basically buying it getting the most that you can out of it to live in mm. and then just getting whatever you can get when you know when they decide to sell it which they will most definitely do i mean i don't know many i know of one or two buildings that we've got customers that purchased in that's reached 50 years of age yeah um and they haven't gotten any offer i mean oh, sorry the smaller building uh, did get offers and ended up selling um at kind of market price maybe a bit lower mm. Um, the bigger is not getting any offers because it's 200 plus units and there's no way that a developer is going to, I mean, it's a fantastic location, but there's no way that a developer is going to be interested in 
compensating 200 units or no, 250, I think it is. It's a monster. Mm -hmm. um, you're probably in a similar situation with this one. So kind of assume, I mean, see how much you're saving on rent over that period of time. Don't assume more than 10 years. Mm. And then factor in that you're probably going to be selling it, I wouldn't say at half the price, but let's call it 70% or 75% of what you purchased it for. And then see if that makes sense for you financially. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that, and I'm kind of factoring in my age, like say, for example, 57 or 60 years old. Yeah. And having to sell this to a developer at a loss and still having to perhaps repay the, the, the leftover amount of the home loan back to the bank while finding a new rental property. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, it depends on how much, it depends on how much you've saved on rent in the interim, right? Well, yeah, I, I guess. That's can, really yeah. the only thing I'd be looking at. Mm. Mm. If you're looking at, if you do want to consider resale value, don't buy this one, buy another one. <laughs> right, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'll definitely have to talk to the, talk to my wife about this and yeah that, that was one thing that was probably the biggest worry about the whole whole investment not investment the whole purchase of this this building yeah so i mean whatever you're saving on rent multiplied by let's say 10 years let's assume we're talking about 10 years um mm -hmm. whatever you're saving i mean it could be it could be that it, you know, just stay there longer than that. But let's assume 10 years, um, whatever you're saving on rent, then try to compare that with maybe a potentially newer, younger building, let's say something mm -hmm. that's like 30 years instead of 40 plus. Mm. Um, and see if the difference in purchase price there is um, really, I mean, if it, it, ha it would have to be really significant for me to consider buying the older one. That's what I'm saying. Um, because with a 30-year-old building, if you sell it in six, seven years, um, you do have some, I mean, I don't know about gains, but you could be selling it pretty close to what you purchased it at. Mm. Um, whereas with this one, that's definitely not going to be the case. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so I, I guess you're suggesting that if we just continue renting, um, forever, I guess, instead of buying. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying look for a younger building that you can afford with the loan that you can get. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I had read somewhere that, that renting for the rest of your life could also be cost effective if, if you find a cheap enough place. Um, in most countries, I would say that's definitely a consideration, but with the cost of borrowing in Japan, it's really a no-brainer to get an owner-occupied property for your home, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're basically getting very close to free money in Japan. Uh, I'm assuming, I mean, I don't know your situation, but I'm assuming it's the usual, so 0 0.5, 0 0.6% or so? I think so. They, yeah, I think that's what we're at at the moment. I mean, for that, for that cost of, cost of borrowing, why wouldn't you, right? It definitely makes a lot more sense than renting and throwing money away. But I would look at something that you'd actually have some resale value on when you do um, exit that loan. Mm. Uh, I mean, you, you would obviously, I mean, it's not going to go down to zero, but it's going to be, 
the depreciation in uh, the depreciation in the market price is going to be far faster and bigger for this one than something that's even ten years younger. Right. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably why the, this place has been on the market for three months now, hence the the dropping price. Yeah. So whoever's buying it is pretty much gonna assuming that they're gonna be riding it till it drops, kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. And I don't know that I would do that um, if you're only gonna get six, seven, eight, ten years out of it. Um, if you're buying something that you know you're going to get a good 20 years of use out of then maybe it does make sense but if you're buying something that you're going to have to resell in 10 years time um that's uh, right it till it drops is not a good strategy right mm, all right yeah i mean there's a, there's another place where actually the real estate we're working with is is is, is really being really flexible they've they've got us the pre-approved loan uh for about 23 million that, by, by the way, another another question. I, I'm not sure who the lender is, but the fact that they're giving you a 30-year loan when you're 47, mm. and that they're considering a building as old as that, yeah, um, that's a heck of a lender. I don't know many of them. And you're saying the interest rate is roughly on par with whatever the rest of the market is getting. Uh, yeah, that's I, quite the unusual lender you've got there. Yeah, well, we UFJ who we bought the previous house with, they declined um, yeah. to give us the loan here. Uh, it was a smaller bank. Uh, uh, what was the name of it? Oh, sorry, my wife wrote it down. That's right, a local Osaka bank, I assume, right? I guess so, yeah. Some, some, maybe they have some connection to the real estate, so. Uh, um, I mean, they would. Plus, the local banks are a lot more aggressive. They, 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 they've got a lot of competition to put up with, so they do, they do tend to be a lot more flexible. But, you know, even saying that, that's really flexible. Like, Yeah, I mean, they, they, we had to get a guarantor um, company yeah. to work with, and one declined and another one agreed to work with us at a little bit of a higher rate. I'm going to have to ask about that, actually. Um, but that was the condition, so I think it was an extra... The home loan we got quoted was about a juman, a hundred thousand yen per month, and with this new guarantor company, I think it was about uh, one hundred and three thousand okay. yen per month. Yep. So it just went went up a little bit, and and of course I'm sure that's because of my age. Yeah, but I mean, look, so, compared to the price of the property, that's peanuts, right? Yeah, <laughs> in the long term. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so look, I mean, look, yeah, it's a good, it's a good deal. Um, you got a good deal with the loan. The only thing I'm concerned about is, like you said, what happens when it's time to resell and you haven't even gotten enough to pay off the mortgage, right? Yeah, that, that's our biggest worry. So. Yeah. Um, I guess yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. And, and uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, yeah, like you said, I don't know how I will feel in ten years' time. Mm. Um, but. If we're having to stay in Japan for the rest of our lives, then it's probably not a bad place to, to be, I guess, <laughs> out there by the ocean. So. Yeah, and I mean, look, even if you move out, you would be able to rent the place out. It's not the best investment, but it's it's not like you're going to be struggling to find a tenant. If it's, you know, portside Osaka, nicely maintained, well-managed building, high-rise views, it's not going mean, to And you're saying it's pretty accessible to train lines and so forth. Yeah, I think it, it has a it also has a direct bus to the airport. Yep. 
just next to it. Uh, the Osaka Expo, the Japan Expo, will be on the next reclaimed island over. Okay. In the, so yep. I'm hoping there might be some sort of in, infrastructure um, or development. Yeah, just bear in mind the owner union is not going to let you Airbnb it. The most you'll be able to do if you're lucky is maybe monthly rentals as opposed to long-term uh, rentals. And I heard you can. I, I heard on another one of your podcasts that, that you can get in trouble with the bank if you try to rent it out on a home. If they find out, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I was aware of that. Um, but we're going to look at another property tomorrow. Uh, sorry, another condo tomorrow. Yep. In the same area, but this one's a top floor. Okay. Um, it's 20 million yen. It passed Shin Taishin, so it's, I think, I, I don't know. Hopefully, it might be 30 years old. Like um, well, I mean, it only needs to be one year younger than what you've got there to pass that. So that's not necessarily saying that it's not 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, unrenovated, though, but yeah, my. But the, the real estate has said if, if you want, you can change that loan over to that and apply. And how can, can you find out how old that one is? Is it indeed closer to 30 or is it still close to 40? Oh, I'm not sure. I, I can find all that information okay. tomorrow. Clo the, the closer you can get to 30, the more comfortable mm. I, I'd feel. Okay, yeah. Since you've said that's a kind of magic number there, I'll, yeah. I'll start, start searching for those kind of... Um, that, that age building, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I think when when I first contacted you, the, the question um, about the, my age versus building age, um, I, I think that was my greatest concern. Yeah. Um, but now you got pre-approved, so that's, <laughs> that's all out the window. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really was quite surprised to get the call yeah. <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. We have a little bit of bargaining power, I feel now. Yeah, you definitely do. And um, I mean, look, you're saying that's 20 million and it's younger. So it does sound like there should be, you know, how far could you stretch your budget considering that you're getting a 100% loan? Mm. How far do you think you could stretch your budget as far as mortgage repayments go? Like, could you go to say 30 million or would that be too far? Um. Yeah, like if if you try to calculate mortgage repayments at twenty five percent of monthly income, yeah, I could probably. My wife's not working at the moment. Um, I'm on about four million a year, so yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty low. I guess I'm your stereotypical English teacher here. It's not bad in Japan. It's definitely livable. Uh, although you've got four kids, so. Oh okay, yeah. So. <laughs> Each time we had a kid, living got a bit oh tighter. <laughs> um, if you could potentially stretch it, stretch it towards 30 million mm. and could potentially look at something that's, say, 25, 30 years instead of 35, 40 years, mm. um, you'd be really serving yourself well in the long term when it comes to resale value. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if, look, if it's a stretch and it's going to make things uncomfortable just, you know, with daily living, then just... Mm go as young as you can within your budget. Yeah. Um, the other option is to compromise on space, right? So you could get something cheaper if it was a three LDK instead of a four LDK, or if it was, you know, 80 square meters instead of 120 square meters. Um, but that's, you know, that's 
again, that's personal choices. I can't really dictate that. But yeah. from a financial perspective, the younger you can get, um, I would definitely stretch at least my budget, if not my living space, um, to try and get it younger. From right. a, just, just from a purely financial perspective. Right, okay. Um, yeah, as far as the, the pre-approval, um, it, it's kind of strange because we, we had to apply for the loan with this apartment at the price of $22 million. Yeah. Um, but the real estate said if, if you want to change and uh, reapply for the loan with another apartment, then we'll have to go through the whole process again. Um, well, then you've got the, I mean, if you're looking at that other one that's 20 million, you've got the cost of renovation too, right? Yeah. So I, I was just wondering how, how the bank, I, what, I, what I would like to do in a perfect world is, is ask the bank how far they are willing to lend. I, I, with the first house we bought as well, I, I felt there was a lot of sort of secrecy as to how much we could borrow and, and, and the whole procedure behind it. So I, I feel as though I, I don't really know what's going on in, with this, this whole, you know, the whole purchase, basically. I, well, according, I to, according to Emil, who's way more versed in loans than I am, it's yeah. essentially seven times your annual salary, right? Yeah, well, those calculations I did, and that is the, about thirty million. Yeah. On a, mm, so, um, mm, the the bank, they, nobody says you can borrow up to that or you can borrow this much. They they say, oh, okay, we'll approve you for this property only kind of thing. So. Yeah. So I mean, look, speak to the agent. You're saying that agent is pretty flexible and and uh, communicates yeah. fairly well. So. Tell them, okay, well, if we're looking at a different property and we want to factor in renovation costs as well, because we've just renovated one of our family-sized apartments and that was about three and a half or four million yen okay. for the yeah. renovation. I'm assuming something similar, maybe a bit more, because I think it sounds like your apartment is a bit bigger than the one that we just renovated. Um, so factor that. I think the bank can factor renovation costs into the loan and give you a loan including that. So, yeah, that, sorry, go that, ahead. That, yeah, so yeah that, that's what we were thinking about with this, this one we're going to look at tomorrow. Yeah. Um, perhaps add the renovation costs on. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, I, I was sort of worried perhaps we might get rejected for the loan if, if we're pushing too far with, with those sorts of things. Well, I mean, 20 plus renovation is not going to be above 25, right? So, uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Hmm. It's not such a big leap. Um, and again, if you look at something a little bit younger, maybe a little bit smaller, maybe the total cost for a renovated property would be 25, 26. I don't know. So um, still, again, I, I, if in a perfect world, I'd be a lot more comfortable going for the younger interior renovation is, is really not a concern. I mean, it's obviously a concern because you have to pay for it. But I mean, Looking at future resale value, interior renovation is not a huge concern. Investors will factor in, you know, the four or five million. And if they're a real estate company buying off you, they can do it even cheaper than that. So they would not be as concerned about the interior condition as they would be about the age of the building. Right. Okay. Hmm. Well, I think, yeah, I, I guess after talking to you now, going for the, the cheaper one and, and adding the renovation cost onto the home loan is probably 
the better option. It is, and especially if it's closer to 30 years, because the fact that it's up to latest Earth acquisition standard uh, compared to the other building you were mentioning could be just a six months difference in age. That's all it takes to go past June 1981, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is when those latest plans were drawn. So if it's closer to 30, let's say if it's 31, 32, 33, definitely a better choice. If it's closer to 40, I mean, look, it's still better than the other one because it is latest earthquake, but um, uh, maybe shop around a little bit more. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, as, as far as... Um, oh, what was I going to say? Sorry, I've drawn a blank now. You're right. <laughs> um, Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah, I think. No, you can hit me up by email if you uh, remember you have further follow-up questions. Don't be shy. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, Yeah, what was... was, um, Oh, yeah, sorry. I've lost it. You're right. Don't worry about it. Edit edit that part out. Um, Okay, um, as far as... Can we change tack here a little bit? I, I, I think I've, I've got all the information I wanted from as far as buying this apartment and, and looking at apartments and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of curious, in my position as a, somebody who doesn't have basically any capital or, and just a English teacher's salary, is, is there any way you could get into the real estate market? I, I was listening to one of your podcasts uh, there was an Australian lady on, uh, I forget her name, but she said she was specializing in buying sort of quirky properties yep. for quite cheap, uh, renovating them and then using renting them as minpaku and short-term rentals. Yep, yep. she buys, she buys some and others she just uh, has an arrangement with the owners where she either subleases them or she just provides a service to the owners by leasing them out. Mm. Um, that's that's definitely a viable business to get into, um, but you yeah. there are some things to qualify you as a minpaku management company. So there's a there's licensing to be involved, and that's of course hundred percent in Japanese. So just the way you've described your um, Japanese level, that might be something that would be maybe more viable if your wife was willing to get involved. Right. Okay. Um, On your own, I mean, look, you could do this as an intermediary. So you could hire these Minpaku management companies and just um, help them with marketing and getting clients in exchange for a cut of their commission kind of thing. Okay. Um, So maybe, but again, I mean, for you to be attractive to these companies, it would have to be a strictly Japanese company that doesn't really know how to access the foreign market because that's where your specialty could come in. Oh, I see. And for that, again... To communicate with the uh, the contractors or the, the clients, let's call it, you will need somebody pretty fluent in Japanese. Right. Yeah, I, I, I listened to a lot of your podcasts and I was quite kind of motivated and inspired to hear other foreigners in Japan um, succeeding without having to kind of resort to teaching English here. So I can tell you that none of us do it without even without either having a very strong grasp of the Japanese language 
or teaming up with a Japanese partner or working for a Japanese company that's, you know, willing to take you on as a non-Japanese speaker because they realize that you've got value in getting foreign clients, right? Mm. But I don't know that you want to move from English teaching to working for a Japanese company. That doesn't sound like a, a lifestyle upgrade to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's something to consider as well, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that's um, probably covered everything I, I wanted to ask you. Awesome. So thanks so much for doing this. I, I, I mean, I listened to a lot of people you spoke to and the seem to be very knowledgeable and um, well presented so I'm, I'm thankful that you could <laughs> talk oh no thank you for saying that I appreciate that I'm glad you're enjoying it it's um I love to talk shop like I love what I do so um, I, I'm really happy doing this regardless of uh, whether it's a potential client or just a, you know somebody in the industry or somebody who's just asking questions it's it's all good fun, and uh, it brings us value via content and and uh, you know more exposure too. So, well, yeah. If if you when you re listen to this, if it turns out good, I'm I'm hoping it can. I can guarantee it turns out good. We've touched about a lot of things that a lot of people are asking about. So definitely value in there oh. for a lot of people. So thank you for that. Oh, that's great. That's great. Awesome. Um, so have a great weekend, and um, again, feel free. Like you know, as long as it's general questions and we don't have to actually do any digging into particular properties we're always happy to provide advice there's no charge involved so don't be shy oh thank you so much yeah I'll, at the least I'll, I'll definitely keep you um updated as to how how i proceed and what we end up purchasing now that we've got pre-approval so that'd be great we can do a follow-up uh, follow-up interview too oh great okay yeah if, if, yeah if deem it worthy yeah yeah be happy to. Thank you. <laughs> awesome well, thanks for your time have a great weekend yeah, thank you so much, Zim. Speak to you soon. Okay, goodbye. Bye. All right, as promised, nice diverse chat there. I like how we've covered quite a few topics from an owner-occupier perspective, which is not something that we get into very frequently on the show, except, of course, in our J-Rep sessions with Emil, Matt, and Tracy. So I hope you found some value in this conversation. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Bye.